Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Like a chrysalis, we're emerging from the economy of the Industrial Revolution. An economy confined to and limited by the Earth's physical resources into the economy in mind, in which there are no bounds on human imagination, and the freedom to create is the most precious natural resource. Welcome to the Soul of Enterprise, Business and the Knowledge Economy, sponsored by Sage, supporting small and medium-sized businesses by creating greater freedom for them to succeed. I'm Ron Baker, along with my good friend, Veris Sage Institute colleague and co-host, Ed Kless. And on today's show, folks, we're going to do proper project management. So, Ed, I'm holding up a big lighter going, Ed, do scope, do scope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we should probably tell the backstory to that. Tell the backstory to that because I think it's funny. Yeah, well, I, as obviously many of you know, I work for Sage and am a presenter at their annual conference now entitled Summit, although it's gone through a couple of different incarnations and names. And for 10 straight years, Ron, I did a session that was around creating a scope document for implementations of accounting software. And I, you know, titled it different things, creating scope. There might have been some slight variation to the title, but it was basically the same presentation for 10 straight years. And after the, when I, I decided that the 10th year, I was going to call it like the 10th anniversary edition, you know, so like a, you know, game show or whatever. And then uh, I did the, the 11th year and I skipped it and didn't do it. And I had people at that conference, at 11 concerts, like, Ed, what, what are you doing scope? And I felt like, you know, what should, it should be like a rock concert, you know, where people in the back of my presentations after I finish up are like, do encore, we would do scope. It's like, you know, hey, play Freebird. <laughs> All the deadheads. <laughs> yeah, well, that, that's Leonard Skinner. But, you know, close enough. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah all right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, but it's it's a, it's a lot of fun. I actually do enjoy doing that presentation, uh, although with all of the stuff that has been added to it, it it was an hour session. Now now I I can barely do it in an hour. Now it's 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 a solid hour and a half, almost two hours, because of it. Really, because of all of the stories that people have contributed to me over the years. Sure, sure. I know you get a lot of people uh, emailing you with questions about scope, and and and, and they actually yep. never did the scope document or scoped yeah. out the project. But I guess we should back up and and start from from first things. I mean, you you uh, were gracious enough to write uh, chapter thirty three in my recent book, Implementing Value Pricing, which was called Proper Project Management, which is where we stole the title of the show. But why don't you start out by telling or defining for us project management? What is well, it? Well, let's even back up a second beyond that. And let's, let's, before we talk about project management, let's talk about what is a project, right? Because uh, that's usually where I like to start because I think that there's some 
confusion even as to what is a project. And it's simply this, a project, and this is a definition that is from the Project Management Institute, and this is PMI.org. You can go visit the website. Um, I am a member of the Project Management Institute. But it, it, and and you know they do a lot of things well. I've got some challenges with some of the things that they have to say. But one of the things I think they've done an excellent job of doing is defining terms. And there's a a book that you get when you become a member. Well, it's not a it's not a book anymore. Ron. It's just a PDF file that they that you can download. <laughs> but it, it's called the PIMBOK or the Project Management Body of Knowledge. Mm. And it's it's a it's a reference guide. I mean, I often joke that it, it's it's also you can use it to replace your Lunesta prescription because <laughs> <laughs> it will definitely put you to sleep. But it, but in all fairness, though, but it's like reading the dictionary, right? I mean, there's no plot, <laughs> right? Yeah, sure. But but they but they've got a really nice glossary of terms in the in in the back, and. So, so they have all of these differences of all of these different project terms. And, of course, the one to start out with really is project. Okay, so what is a project? A project is a temporary endeavor undertaken to create a unique pro, a product, service, or result. And we might add in there, you know, maybe it's new knowledge, too, as the, mm-hmm. the, the definition mm-hmm. of result. So it doesn't have to be something that is tangible, per se, like a bridge, right? So temporary endeavor undertaken to create a unique prod- product, service, or result. And the, I think there's two important words in that definition, or two that I, I, I think are, are, should, are worth of, worthy of emphasis. And the first one, of course, is temporary, <laughs> Right, and this is where a lot of, especially IT people. I love you, IT people. Really, I do. But this, uh, it, they've got to be temporary. They're, they're not supposed to go on forever. They can't. Yeah, yeah, sure. They're you know, they're they, they're set up to go after or create a specific objective, like you said. Correct. There's a defined beginning, middle, and end. Although you know, some projects there are historically there are projects that are thirty year projects. You'll not be. Surprised, Ron, that, that you to know that most of those are in government. Government, sure, like the big dig or whatever <laughs> yeah, in Boston. Yeah, they go, right? yeah. <laughs> go on an awful long time. Uh, but 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 temporary. So they they, they have a, a, a defined beginning, middle, and end, and I and and I think that's an important piece. In fact, one of the the the, the helpful things of gleaning from this definition is that it, it's you can tell that you have a project in your organization when you don't have a defined process for it, right? Because uh, projects are not part of your normal business practices. Mm. And that's one way that you can t- determine, hey, this is, this is a project. And because so, most, uh, would you agree that, Ron, that most businesses ha- have hundreds or thousands even of repeatable processes that happen over and over again. And this can be something as simple as th- this is the way we answer the phone, sure. right? Sure. Consistent, consistent is the way that we answer the phone all of the time to we, our, our inventory um, valuation, right? Where our account, physical account, we only do it once a year, but we have a process for that because we have to do it at least once a year, mm-hmm. right? So those are still part of business operations and those things would not be considered a process because even though the inventory count only happens once a year, it's still the normal course of business operations and happens on a repeatable basis with some frequency, right? Mm-hmm. Well, if you have something in your organization that is, that does not fall into any of those process buckets, then it's a project, right? Which is good because now you say, okay, now we've got a project, 
We can I mean, we clearly have a product. So it has to have certain characteristics. One that is temporary, that it has a defined beginning, middle, and end. And then the other word in that definition that I think is important is unique. Yes. Right? That's the one that struck me. That's yes. the one that struck me. Because in a professional all, firm, it, it's all unique, isn't it? It has to be. It's by, well, it's by definition, right? So this is the thing. If you accept the project management's definition of a project, a temporary endeavor undertaken to create a unique product, service, or result, we have unique, right, in there. It's in the definition. And unique does not mean has, like, like some other things we do, right? <laughs> and I think that's uh, – I always laugh when people say, well, it's totally unique, well, that's redundant, actually. <laughs> <laughs> unique is just unique, <laughs> um, but it means one of a kind. So there's only there's only one like it. And what I think is helpful in understanding that is saying, okay, once we know understand that this is unique, we can't we can't say, well, have we, we what, where's the plan from the last time we did this? Or especially what I see in IT firms and probably also in accounting firms is, well, you're the expert, haven't you done this before? Mm-hmm. Right? And that sometimes puts the professionals on the defensive because they're like, well, yeah, of course I've done this before. I've done, you know, millions of tax returns or millions of implementations of software or whatever, right? Uh, but they haven't done that implementation or that tax return. Right. And I think that that is where they, they fall down because the professionals get on the defensive and say, well, yes, of course I've done this before, but they don't recognize that, oh, this is a project, so therefore it must be unique. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and therefore every one is different. And I have a, a quick story that really illustrates this well because it, it happened to me in a, in a very odd circumstance. I did the implementation at – it was two organizations – at the well, coincidentally, right? So it was at the same time, and it's because they were call it sister organizations. And one of them is, I think, still around today. It's, it's uh, TransPerfect Translations. If you fly anywhere, they, they have an ad in just about every magazine across all all of the Sky Miles magazines. Are they, because what they do is they do business translations, mm. right? So if we wanted to have the Soul of Enterprise book translated to a different language that that's where one of the places that we could go to do this right because they specialize in the business side of things all right so that was called, called transperfect translations well the, i was doing the implementation in another company it was called translations.com now this was oh 15 years ago and their their vision was to do on the fly translations of websites which yeah, i don't know if you know this but google does it now like for free oh, right sure yep. <laughs> so that uh, didn't work out but <laughs> So now it was interesting because the, the, these were, were basically co-owned organizations. The owner A owned 51% of one organization and 49% of the second organization. And for this, the others, it was flipped, right? So the, the, in the other organization, owner B who owned 49% now owns 51% and then 49% of the other organization, right? Mm-hmm. So the, the two people, we were the, – the installation was done on a single server – they shared an accounting team, right? So it was the same people. So therefore, the same computers, the same server. They're basically the same industry and even somewhat the same company, uh, except one is translating business documents. The other one was translating websites. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, did I mention that owner A and owner B were ex-spouses? <laughs> <laughs> Why does that figure? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that was the divorce agreement, right? So it was like, okay. <laughs> Um, 
the deal is that what happened is that the first – I don't even remember which was which, right? At this point, it's so gray in my mind. And I don't remember who owns what or – you know. but one of the implementations, we were done in like six weeks. Six weeks. It was mm-hmm. done, right? Piece of cake, no problem. In the other one, I, I don't know if they're implementing. I think I left the organization still not fully wow. implemented in the other organization. So now wow. think about this. It's the same server, the same people, the same industry – and the only difference was who is the who is the principal owner, right? And quite literally, the the the, the second organization they couldn't make a decision on on defining their chart of accounts, mm. right? And the other organization was completely implemented. Wow! Right. So it, what I love about that story is, is it's it's a great illustration of by definition all projects are unique. I mean, this is again almost everything the same except for who the executive sponsor was. You know, doctors have a saying like this, medicine would be a science if it wasn't for the fact that all patients are are different, right? right? Which makes it an art. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that's, that's exactly along those same lines. I mean, that, 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 that's, that's why all projects are unique. And I think that you as a professional, as professional organizations, you need to embrace that and explain it to your customers as to, to why, yes, I've done this tax return. Yes, I've done this implementation. Yes, I've done an ad campaign. Yes, I've, I, I've represented people who were going through a similar circumstance. But this case, this audit, this tax return, this implementation are, are unique by definition. Right. Well, Ed, this is great. I want to come back and dive into this a little bit more and and have you uh, flesh out some more proper project management principles. But in the meantime, folks, we need to remind you, if you want to get a hold of Ed or myself, you can do so at asktsoe at verisage.com. Check out our show notes at thesoulofenterprise.com. And now we need to hear from our sponsor, Leading Results. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Is your website just a brochure or is it your best salesperson? If your site is not the best lead generation tool you have, we should talk. We are leading results. We build websites and marketing programs that impact your bottom line. Using HubSpot or WordPress, we'll create a website and supporting marketing program that gets your business found, converts web visitors to leads, and provides clear tracking on what is and is not working. Learn about our team and approach to your success. Visit leadingresults.com slash TSOE to find out more. Have you ever read a book that changed your life? I sure have, but have you ever read a book where the forward changed your life? Me neither. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. I wrote the forward to Ron Baker and Ed Kless's new ebook, The Soul of Enterprise Dialogues on Business and the Knowledge Economy. The value of this book is found entirely in its forward. So when you buy it, think of it as buying the forward and getting the rest of the book for free. Available now for download exclusively on Amazon.com. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You 
You are tuned into The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Klass. To find out more about our show, visit us on the web at thesoulofenterprise.com. You can also chat with us on Twitter using hashtag AskTSOE. Now, back to The Soul of Enterprise. All right. Well, welcome back, everybody. I'm here doing proper project management with Ed. And Ed, you're the expert in this. So I, I just find this topic fascinating and somewhat headache inducing. Um, you know, growing up in a big eight accounting firm, we didn't do any type of project management, uh, at least not the way that you talked about it. Our project management was two things, the timesheet and what did we do last year? <laughs> uh, you know, affectionately known as Sally in, in the profession, right? Same as last year, and we might add 10% to it or something. But when I first heard you do this, it was just like such an eye-opener uh, about, you know, how, how, how elaborate this is. But it, it's really just about good planning, isn't it? That that's really the I think the key is understanding that there is the, the planning process is huge in this and and this is a, a, one of my favorite things to talk about is is the the idea that that uh, pro, that planning uh, plans are worthless planning is essential and this is a quote from Eisenhower hmm. and when he Love was talking that. about yeah he was talking about D Day right <laughs> <laughs> and he he, he uh, I in my mind Eisenhower is the project manager of the 20th century because really. A, a battle is really just a project, right? Sure. And you know, a group of related battles is called a, a war. Um, a by the way, a group of related projects is called a program. So it's you know mm, <laughs> very okay. much very much in alignment. But yeah, you know, plan, plans are worthless. Planning is essential, and, and because you know, D Day. I don't know if you're aware of this, but like ninety percent of it did not go according to plan. Oh, right, right. Yeah, right? no, was um, just, yeah, in, including the date, by the way, which is like kind of wacky you know we mm-hmm. know d-day is june 6th right but it was actually supposed to be june 5th but it was weather that I, that that stopped them from right. from going actually on the 5th and so really you know unforeseen circumstances kind of thing they couldn't couldn't have necessarily predicted that now you know most projects and businesses one day late you know that's not even late right we're all like right. still jumping up and down yeah whatever we're on time <laughs> close enough <laughs> right but you, when you got like an army of an, a million and a quarter germans who want you dead like one day is kind of a big deal yeah. right so uh it, and it's interesting because i was watching something on history channel about this and and you know, the, i guess we had the the allies had broken the german code right the enigma device mm-hmm. or whatever mm-hmm. and and we knew when the german reconnaissance planes were flying over England and and one of the things that was planned for D-Day was like a fake invasion into Calais. Mm, mm-hmm. And the way that they did this is they created all of these blow up, I don't know, it was it was canvas that was made to look like armored divisions and stuff, right? So that when the Germans flew over and took the pictures they'd be like, "Oh my gosh, look at all of these things. They're going to they're going to be invading Calais, right?" And the deal was is that the call comes out and 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 they it, it says, "Hey, hey, listen, um, we got to, we need to take that down because Eisenhower's decided to delay it a day due to the weather. And they're like, well, the plan to take all this stuff down was to you know walk through the fields with machetes and just slice through it, <laughs> and just <laughs> right? well, you can't do that if you got to put it back up tomorrow, right? So anyway, they figured all of this out, and so D Day is a day late, and but uh, that's a, so that's a big deal when when you're a day late on that. But ninety percent of the objectives were actually met, right? And what I insist on telling you know. 
the project managers that I work with on this stuff is look, a mere mo- us mere mortal project managers, if 90% does not go according to the plan, we are not meeting 90% of the objectives. I'm just telling you. It's not going <laughs> to happen. Making Eisenhower the greatest project manager of all time. Or, yeah, very, or very, very, yeah, right. And the others are like, you know, other probably military people. But but you know what's fascinating about that? It makes me think of the show we did on After Action Reviews. And one of the first questions in the AAR is, what was the objective of this mission? And, you know, you facilitate these a lot, and I do too. And, and one thing that becomes really clear is nobody really understood what the objectives were. I know. But if you do good project management, you're forced to think about it, even though yes. they might change, like on D-Day. Yep. And, and one of the things I think is important to note is, is and I've got a different, different hierarchy of terms than the Project Management Institute. Like the Project Management Institute, the hierarchy, as I, as I mentioned, is project, but then bef- above that is program. But that's optional, right? You don't have to have a program. A project right. can stand on its own. Right, And then underneath project, what they then have is phases, and all projects have to be broken down into phases. Then underneath phases are activities, and then underneath uh, activities are tasks and subtasks all the way on down, right? And that's okay. kind of the traditional project management hierarchy nomenclature, right, is, the, is that that's how things are. I don't think that in, in projects that are, that are targeted at knowledge workers that that is the best way to think about it. Right. Okay. So instead of this, so let's just leave project. But by the way, you can call projects anything: engagements, matters, cases, mm-hmm. right? Whatever, engage. You know, folio, whatever. So, but so once you think, okay, yes, we have this unique independent project. Well, then what I like to break it down to is say every project has to have at least one, if not more, objectives. Right? So there are specific objectives of a project. Right. But there are also goals of a project. And this is one of the, one of the things that, that doing uh, studying this stuff that was really helpful for me. And I must admit that some of this stuff I learned like after I was in full practice. Like I did some of it, but I only really understood it after having left full-time practice of it, which mm-hmm. is kind of, it's kind of scary. And I apologize to all my Previous customers, because <laughs> people tend to use goals and objectives interchangeably. They do. They do. I used it interchangeably. Uh, me too. Yeah, it, was, it, was, it was one of my questions. Oh, what are your goals and objectives? Right, but there's a difference. There's a, there, and there's a very distinct difference. Goals are that to which we aspire, right? right. That, that, that when we think about it, that's what a goal is. It's something I aspire to. I hope to. I hope to achieve my goal. But notice the language that we use around goals. Hope. Right, aspire. But, so it's something that, we, but it might not happen. Something we want to do, but it might not actually happen. Like sco- scoring a goal in hockey or soccer or whatever. Exactly. Right. So a goal in hockey and soccer, but like not because not every team scores a goal. They get shut out occasionally. Right. right? Um, so so, but does that did that mean not mean that the team didn't have objectives? No, and they may have even achieved some of the objectives, but they didn't achieve the goal. Mm-hmm. Right. So the, the best way to think about it, this is goals are that to which we aspire. And what's also, I think, important for most professional firms is that goals tend to outlive the project, meaning we may be finished with the project, the project might be done, but the goals might not be something that gets achieved until 3, 6, 9, 12, maybe even 18 months after the project is complete, mm. right? 
So one of the reasons why you want to have a, a clear distinction between goals and objectives is that goals tend to or sometimes, not always, but tend to live longer than the project itself. By the way, and for those of you who ever listened to our shows when we talk about value, another a goal is another word for what is what do we believe the value to be, mm-hmm. right? What do we believe the upside potential? What is the what is the economic benefit? The business reason. These are these are all different words with, with that we can use to describe goals because that we the, the the customer may not get that until after the project is done. And this is the problem, is that if you include goals and objectives in this same big nebulous thing, well, then the customer comes to you and says, well, this this project isn't done because we haven't achieved the goal, mm-hmm. right? And that's one of the reasons why you have to keep them separate because you've got to say, no, 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 we may not achieve, we may not achieve the goals right away. There might be some time. And just a quick example from IT. Say, you know, well, we think we're going to implement this uh, customer relationship management, the CRM system. And we think that's going to increase our sales by a million dollars, right? Well, the CM, uh, CRM implementation goes, goes into effect, say, January 1st of one year. It might not be until the following year that you say, yes, we achieved it because we did increase our revenue by a million bucks, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But the project for the implementation, that, might, that, that was done, Right, so the objectives are, for lack of a better word, objective. Right, they're, they're things. They're very boolean. We're th- these are the things we are going to do. Right, and, 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 and they're very well defined, and you know when you've done them. Correct, and they're done, and they, and there's a little test that says that that we have to they, they whatever whatever it says that we're going to do, it has to be done before the project can be considered complete. So by definition, if one of the objectives has still not been achieved, the project's not done, right? Gotcha. But once you achieve all of the objectives, once we do this and this and this and this, okay, so all of the objectives are complete. Now, the project is done. Does that mean that we've achieved the goals? No, <laughs> but that's okay because we have achieved the objective. So in, in IT, the, the example would be we, um, we educated the users how to use the system. We converted their data we uh, gave them. We, we created the custom reports that they wanted, and we integrated it with their front end web store. Right, all things you can kind of check off a to do list where you Correct. can't necessarily do that with goals. Correct. Right. Correct. Yeah. And the, the, again, the the goals may and most often do come later. Mm-hmm. So right. when you're talking about a scope document. You're, when you get into the weeds, you're really laying out these objectives. Yeah, and then we're going to even take it down to the next layer. Layer. So I said that, okay, so we have, remember, the, the project or engagement is one layer, and then objectives are underneath that. Mm-hmm. Then the next thing that you need to define, and in IT, I call them functional requirements, right? But you can call them anything. These, these are the much more discrete things that you're going to do that, that the objectives are made up of, right? Mm. The objectives can, are then further what's uh, the chunking, right? We, we, we chunk them down further to the specific attainable results that we want, and we get that down to the lowest level. Now, the lowest level for some organizations might be objective, by the way. Right, right. right? That might be the lowest discrete level for them. Gotcha. Right, and I'm okay with that, but... Um, but if, if you do, if you do have, you know, uh, additional levels of complexity, 
you probably want to break those into something else. Again, the, ter- the term that I use for my that's more IT related is functional requirements. But you can use, I don't know, results, tasks, I don't know. Well, mm-hmm. it, it, and then, of course, issues is the other term that you might want to use. So. Right. Well, Ed, this is great. When we come back, I want to ask you about the the elements of a scope document. What goes into a good scope document? And then you've got this thing, the triangle of truth that I just love, and I kind of want you to draw that image for our listeners. But folks, in the meantime, we know a lot of you listen on demand, and it would be really great if you went to iTunes and gave the show a rating. That would really help us out. And if Don't uh, forget to follow uh, the show live on Twitter at hashtag AskTSOE. And now we want to hear from our sponsor, Azamba. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. We believe great companies can become even greater by challenging the status quo within their companies. The latest challenge to your status quo? The way people buy has changed. Buyers now control the majority of the front end of the sales process. Sellers must learn to facilitate a buying process, not conduct a sales process. Social buying signals are an opportunity for sales. Learn more. Go to quantacrm.com slash ABC to request a copy of the white paper, Always Be Closing, a guide to the new art of social selling. Have you ever read a book that changed your life? I sure have. But have you ever read a book where the forward changed your life? Me neither. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. I wrote the forward to Ron Baker and Ed Kless's new ebook, The Soul of Enterprise, Dialogues on Business and the Knowledge Economy. The value of this book is found entirely in its forward. So when you buy it, think of it as buying the forward and getting the rest of the book for free. Available now for download exclusively on Amazon.com. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio. Voice America Business Network. are tuned into the soul of enterprise with ron baker and ed class to find out more about our show visit us on the web at the soul of you can also chat with us on twitter using hashtag ask tsoe now back to the soul of enterprise and we're talking about projects actually i'm talking about projects and ron you're going uh-huh mm-hmm yeah. yep <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is your ballywick, Ed. So I'm, yeah, oh, I know, I know. But sorry, diary is not. I, I bored you with cost accounting the prior week, so you know. <laughs> yeah, I guess this, so we're, we're kind of going back and forth on that. This is revenge. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I do find this fascinating because professional firms are just not. A lot of businesses just aren't equipped to to do it the way that you you you're teaching it. Yeah, and you know what's odd about that too, Ron, is it's it's not like. This is rocket surgery, right? It's not like this is really all that complex. I think I've I've netted this stuff down. Believe me, if you take a course from Project Management Institute on this stuff, I mean, oh, it's overwhelming. It's, yeah, it's it's absolutely overwhelming. I, I've really distilled a lot of these concepts down you know, to to their you know most important parts from a from a knowledge work standpoint. Mm-hmm. You know, so I think that that that's that's critical to to understand is that look, I'm not I am I'm not doing 
project management in detail any justice, right? Right. But so I guess if you're I'm scoping it simple. A, if you're scoping a project with a customer, I guess it's going to result in some type of a document where all this is going to be, you know, memorialized, right? As mm-hmm. kind of a meeting of the minds. Here's what we're going to do, you know, Mr. Customer. Here's what you're going to do. What are the elements that go into a good and thorough scope document? Well, we've we've talked about a, a couple of them already, but 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 quickly from the top, the first thing is what's called the scope statement, which is while while it appears first, usually right at last, and it's it's one sentence, right? It's usually about it, it. It says you know the purpose of this project is to infinitive, right? To create to do something, mm-hmm. right? Um, on or before and a specific date at a price or a budget if this is just an internal project of x and what we're doing is we're we, we we're we're and this is where the we're uh, going back to something you mentioned earlier the triangle of truth we're we're attacking the three angles of the triangle of truth right which is the scope which is what are you trying to get accomplished the time which is not the effort by the way okay that the, the the time the time is the duration when does it need to be done by Right. When do I get my stuff? When does my when, when yeah. is my system complete? When does my building ready to open Correct. for the public? Whatever. Correct. Right. Okay. And then and then uh, what tr- is traditionally known as cost. But if you're if you're a professional charging someone, you would refer to it in, in our lingo. We would call that the price. Mm-hmm. Right. But as in internally, if you're just doing this as in your organization, you would you would look at that probably as cost. Right. So those are the three elements of the. Uh, so envision a triangle with the top, the top angle being scope, which of course, what is you want to get? What do you want to get accomplished? And then the bottom two angles are cost over on the left hand side, and then time, and again meaning duration. When do you want to get done on the right? And that's that's that. Those are the three angles of a triangle, right? Got it. And the way that it works is is like a triangle. What we're trying to do, if you remember the geometry class, you remember, um, you know, angle A plus angle B, angle A squared plus angle B squared equals angle C squared, right? So they were we're trying to, and and they had to all add up to 180. So angle A plus angle B plus angle C, if if you wanted to prove a figure was a triangle, you had to say A plus B plus C equals 180. Right? Yeah. Am I giving you high school nightmares? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> right. So that's how you can say, okay, if this figure is a triangle because it, you know, it adds up to 180 degrees, right? So what what we're looking for in a project is we're looking for what would be called an a, an equilateral or equal angular triangle. So where each of the angles is say 60 degrees. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so it's perfectly balanced, right? So scope is in balance with with price, which is in balance with time. Right? And that's real that's harmonious and everybody's happy. <laughs> Everybody's until happy. something happens. Yeah, well, until something <laughs> like happens, and that, 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 and that something happens is called scope creep, right? Which is usually, hey, there's something else that we need to do that's above and beyond what we had originally expected, mm-hmm. right? So, <clears throat> but we'll come back to that in in a second. But I want want to get back to the statement of scope. Notice the statement of scope addresses all three of those in one sentence: to do whatever, which is the scope piece, right? On or before, which is a date. At a cost or at a price of X. So in one in one sentence, we've we've addressed all three elements, yep. right of the angle of the triangle. Does that make sense? Very much so. Yes. Okay. So now the other thing that we would also list in in the scope document is is the objectives that we just objectives. talked about. 
right? Yep. So the, the objective of one, two, three, four, five, six, usually as many as eight. When you, once you get over eight, you start to think, man, maybe we have two projects here. That's just a kind of a guideline. Mm-hmm. But then the next section is called constraints. And constraints are one of my favorite sections of a scope document. Constraints are think of what I like to think about is constraints are like an obstacle course. You know, have you ever seen like American Ninja Warrior, Ron? Yeah, yeah. Right. Where they got to, you know, run through all the crazy yep. stuff. And okay. Sure. The, the best way to think about constraints is that constraints are each of those obstacles. The participants know what the obstacles are, right? So there are things that, that could prevent them from getting to the finish line. These are kind of like the known knowns and well maybe. yeah and that, that and that's one of the most the most challenging things is like the difference between a constraint and a risk <laughs> mm, mm. is really subtle and even sen- senior season project people sometimes have trouble distinguishing those including myself but uh, a risk technically you when you have a risk you a risk has a probability of occurrence and an impact whereas a constraint is just a fact just a fact right right, right. There's a wall in your way, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Then once you take it to what's the probability that I can make it over the wall <laughs> and how many calories will I burn jumping over the wall, then now it's become a risk, right? But, but just identifying, hey, there's a wall in front of us, that, that's a constraint. What are the barriers? What are the possible barriers that could get in the way? And, and we know be- and they could be on the customer side or maybe even internally to the professional or the, the organization. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And they, they, they usually – and we don't have time to go into this, but they're broken out by different like categories of constraints. You can have geographic constraints. Hey, the customer mm-hmm. is dispersed geographically. Um, you can have ethical constraints. Mm-hmm. Budgetary right. Budgetary, budgetary constraints, of course, time constraints, uh, re- re- any kind of resource constraints. Um, so they're, they're, there's, they, they, they really run the gamut of different categories. You can even have political. One of my favorites is political constraints. <laughs> sure, right? sure. Inside the yeah. organization. You know, we can't, you know, we, yes, we can do this implementation, but, you, you know, you can't fire anybody. <laughs> right, right. Nobody can right. lose their job or whatever, yeah. <laughs> right, right. So, th- so they're just known facts. So that's the, the 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 next element, which is constraints. And then there's the there's a couple that go together, the project structure, which is basically the org chart of the project. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that I, I like to talk about is that a, if, remember, a project is a temporary endeavor. I also like to think of a project as a temporary company that comes into existence for the sole purpose of achieving the objectives of the project, and then it goes out of business. Yeah, which Ed, you know, you would think that's exactly what professional firms do, right? right. They 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 structure, they put together a team to do an audit or a case on a you know law firm, and you would think they would be more sophisticated with respect to project management because this is how they operate. Yep, yep. The the key is that the project structure and the structure of the organizations that are participating in the project may be very different. Mm. Mm-hmm. And the chain and the chain of command could be significantly different. Sure, right? You can have someone who might be like a, a, a you know the CFO or whatever, but on the on the on the project, he or she is only an advisor, mm-hmm. right? Or at a level where they're, they're they're not they're not having as much to do with what's going on. And, well, and let me give a better let me give a better example. CFO in C, the the chief financial officer in a, a an implementation of a of a of a CRM system, right? 
there would be a, a much better example. So the CFO might have to know some of the things that are going on and might even end up being a user of the CRM system, right? But in the project, they're pretty low on the totem pole. <laughs> right. Sure. And that's got to be more prevalent in the knowledge organization because oftentimes the knowledge worker knows more than the people above him or her. You would hope, right? And there, and I can I can distinctly remember being on on projects where I was the low person on the the particular, or I wasn't low person. I I had a particular area of expertise that I was contributing, right? And I would I signed these people's paychecks, but for, for the purposes of this project, I reported to them. To them, mm-hmm. right? So you have to think about it differently. And then then there's so that's the structure, which is the org chart, and then there's the the role definition, which is basically the job description of each person. You know, all right, well, uh, the executive sponsor. What is what 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 are their the things that they have to do. What does the project manager do? The owner, leaders, members, advisors, right? So you have to define that. And then you also have to define the team, like who is in what role, right? Mm -hmm. So those kind of three go together, project structure, role definition, and team definition. And then there's my another one of my favorite sections, the assumption section. And I I love the way that this is usually, what should we not leave unsaid? (laughs) Right. (laughs) But that's so important, right? I mean, even in the military, assumptions are a big part of their planning. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. And they are the, – the important thing, I think, to think about in, uh, assumptions is, and where I think that they're most powerful is if you think about them as the assumptions about the relationship, right? Mm. Not necessarily about the, the assumptions about the technical aspect of the project because, uh, yes, I assume your software will work. Well, no kidding. <laughs> right <laughs> right but 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 it's 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 better to think about the assumptions about the assumptions about the about the uh, the assumptions about the relationship the nature of how people will work together in the organization and this is where you would have like okay if if you are a team member during this next 6 month period you can can count on devoting 25% of your time to this project yep and that's an assumption Got it. Right? So and, and th- so those are the things that we want it to, to make clear. And those are often things that are, that are very much left unsaid, especially by professionals. The professionals do not do – I do not think I, – I think do not do an effective job at telling the customer what their level of resource con- contribution is going to be. Right. No, not at all. I'm terrible at it. Absolutely terrible at it. Well, well, Ed, this is fascinating. We're up against another break. But when we come back, I want to ask you, uh, you can finish off the scope document, but I want to ask you about the, the word quality, which I find fascinating, and then talk maybe a little bit about scope creep and how you should handle scope creep. Uh, but folks, in the meantime, we need to hear from our sponsor and Ed's employer, Sage. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Four new employees. A 20% increase in revenue. Being one of the 9 million women business owners in the U.S. These are your proudest numbers, your landmarks of growth and success. Sage helps you achieve business milestones with cloud and software solutions that lead to deeper financial insights. Believe in your numbers. 
see what Sage can do for your business. Visit BelieveInYourNumbers.com today. Have you ever read a book that changed your life? I sure have. But have you ever read a book where the forward changed your life? Me neither. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. I wrote the forward to Ron Baker and Ed Kless's new ebook, The Soul of Enterprise, Dialogues on Business and the Knowledge Economy. The value of this book is found entirely in its forward. So when you buy it, think of it as buying the forward and getting the rest of the book for free. Available now for download exclusively on Amazon.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Klass. To find out more about our show, visit us on the web at thesoulofenterprise.com. You can also chat with us on Twitter using hashtag AskTSOE. Now, back to The Soul of Enterprise. Well, we're just about finished up talking about the elements of the scope document. I've been through the many of them already. We talked about the statement of scope, the objectives, the constraints, the structure, the definition of the roles, the team definition, and assumptions. The next thing I want to talk about is deliverables. And these are – this is a little weird one, Ron, because deliverables have a different meaning in IT projects than anywhere else. So let me just quickly define – what they normally are. Normally, deliverables are, in fact, the tangible things that we're going to get as a result of this project. Right, like software. And like so- right, like software. I guess if you're, if you're a, a, a marketing agency, it's going to be the, the ad, right? Mm-hmm, that, mm-hmm. The, the campaign, right? That, define those. But for some reason in software implementation, the, the idea of deliverable had morphed into the idea that what we're what, – what, we're going to talk about in there is what are what are the documents that we're going to produce that are intrinsic to the project itself but not the actual results of the project so in in it they separated out i don't know why but they did Mm, mm. Right. And in, in, in IT, that what, what those things became is functional requirements. But if, if you're looking at this generically, and I'll try to keep this de- generic, that deliverables are, this, are, the, are what you're going to produce, right? Got We're going to produce this, 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 this. But in IT, it's a little bit different. Uh, but but uh, then the other thing I want to talk about, and this may lead, lead to the question about like change requests, but you need a section that defines what is the change control process, Right, mm-hmm. so how are we going to go about potentially making a change to this document? Because you are right. Um, it would be weird. And we'll talk about this later. That you would you, weird that you did not have changes. And then the last two elements of the the uh, the scope document are, are what I like to call the future projects list. And this is this is naming that you'll only find in my work because I got burnt on this one. We 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 tried to call it for, for a while, like. Uh, exclusions, right? Mm. But the problem was is that we ended up one time in a dispute with somebody and there was like a stupid judge who wanted to tell us that, well, if you don't exclude it, it's included. It's therefore included, exactly. Yes. So yes. what we did, we changed the language around it to future projects. So it was clear that we that this stuff wasn't a part of the current project. I love that though because it makes you think about other things you could be doing. Yes, exactly. And it, what it, it, we used to call it, it was like, ta-ching, this is like the future work <laughs> bucket, right? This is all of the few things that we can potentially do for this customer in the future. And it really made us think about lifetime value a lot more, too. 
Sure. Right. And the other thing, all of these elements that you talked about that go into the scope document really do a great job managing the customer's expectations too. Oh yeah. Here's exactly what you're going to get. Here's you know when we're going to do it by and and all of that. It, it's like really crystal clear then. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the last element is just the approval, where we say, hey, yes, we the the, the customer says, yep, we agree that this is this is what we're talking about. So Ed, when when that when you know when things happen that we didn't anticipate in 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 our objectives and other issues come up, you know, it's like building a house, right? Oh, I wish I would have used, you know, that type of lighting or that type of countertop, and the contractor's kind of behind you walking around thinking change order. What happens when there's scope creep? Yeah, and first of all, I also like to break this into two different elements. I mean, one is scope creep, but then our our friend Alan Weiss has a great term that he calls scope seep. Right, that's a whole right. other show, but yeah, yeah exactly. And the scope seep is when 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 the professional adds stuff to the list, to, right? The, right. Usually, Rather than the customer, it's the right. professional walking through. Yeah, yeah. Usually, in the name of, well, I want to provide you know excellent service or beyond their expectations, and uh, there's some debate on that. But but let's talk about the the idea of of the customer saying, "Hey, listen, we uncovered something that." was not in the original scope document, right? There's some, something else that we, we did not agree that was not in there and we need it. And what I like to do is then use a change request. And I'm, and, and I, I always beat you up on this because when we present, you oftentimes say change order. I'm like change request. Right. Um, but I, the lingo is important to me because what I have typically seen, and I think you would agree with this statement is that organizations that, use the term change order, tend to do them retrospectively, meaning it's already done. Yeah, which defeats the whole purpose. Right, right. So yep. it's already done. Now we got to go figure out a way to get more money out of the customer. Yep. Right? So which is why I like this idea of a change request because that's a, that is clearly proactive, right? That's clearly ahead of time. No, no, no. The request has to happen first. It then needs to be approved and then once the change request is approved, it becomes a change order. And I, when I talk to accountants, I say, okay, this is exactly like the purchase request, purchase order Absolutely. process, right? So every, anyone in the company can make a purchase request. I, yeah, I can request a new computer. Go ahead. Good luck. Yeah, go for it. Nobody's going <laughs> right. to approve it. <laughs> Nobody's going to approve it, but right? But so anybody can make a request, but it's got to then go through an approval process. And what I find has typically happened is if you don't have this kind of a process in place is you, you will have a, 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 a lower level person at the customer organization make a request of a lower level person at the professional organization. And in the name of pleasing this other person who they've worked closely with, they'll be like, oh, sure, I'll do that. No problem. Right. But yeah. – then, then now we're over budget in the project, and like, well, why? Well, because so and so asked me, yeah, but so and so doesn't have the authority to spend more money. Right. <laughs> you see. And, so, and you even recommend, don't you, that in projects of, of any type of complexity, that the company puts aside a, a, a percentage of the budget or the total spend on the project for for change requests and change orders. Yeah, I, I would say it's usually somewhere between ten and twenty percent. Ten percent, if you if you really think that there's not a hard, a large likelihood of change, and if you don't, if you're uncomfortable, I would go as high as twenty percent. So, you know, r- rule of thumb: if they, you've got a hundred thousand dollar project, there's that you should you should tell the customer, hey, put aside ten to twenty thousand dollars 
yeah. for, cha- for 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 potential change requests. And there and it's, this is sometimes where people, well, I couldn't do that. I, they need to get the uh, you know they I need to give them just tell them a hundred thousand dollars. No, 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 no. There's going to be change requests, and it's going to be it's going to come from them. And oh, by the way, if they identify something as a change request, they don't have to approve it. Yeah, that's right? absolutely right. Yep. So yep. and 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 by the way, it goes through the whole process that we've talked about previously, which is the first thing that you do when a change request comes in is guess what? You have a value conversation about it. Again, it just it, I think it's so important to manage the customer's expectations, and that's part of that too. Warning mm-hmm. them of the change orders. Last question: I know we've only got a couple minutes, but I just wanted to get your take on quality because buried oh, in the triangle of truth is the circle <laughs> quality. Define quality because I think it's really counterintuitive to a lot of people. Yeah, and and we should do a show on the on the book about this, Ron. I think it's Philip Crosby, Cro- something Crosby. Mm-hmm. Uh, qual- qual- quality is free. I think is the name of it. It right, goes back to right. like nineteen eighty. Really good book. But it ba- basically, he says this. He says quality is conformance to a requirement, not goodness. Yeah, and man, that is absolutely profound. It is especially for, cus- it's like value. Different customers right. have different perceptions of quality. That's right. That's right. And 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 professionals don't really like talking about this. They don't because they because they'll say, "Oh, we have quality standards," yep. right? Like, well, I'm not saying don't do quality standards that live up to your profession. Sure. But there's also the quality requirement that the customer has of you, the expectations that they have of you. And and they have them. And if you don't talk about them, and this is we'll we'll leave it here, right? If you don't talk about them, you know what the quality standard will be? Perfection. <laughs> Perfection. <laughs> and, and in your triangle, that means give me all your money and it will never be done and you won't get what you want. Yep. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> <laughs> I love how you put that quality circle inside the triangle because if that changes, then you're changing the, the parameters of that triangle too. Yeah, everything changes. If, if, the, if the quality changes, everything changes. Well, Ed, this has just been fascinating. I know there's so much more on this, but I think you gave us a really good overview of, of the, the, the important parts of project management. So what do we have on store for next week? Well, next week we are going to do another fun topic, Ron. We're going to do a, a, a entitled um, Shut Up and Eat Your French Fries. And this is based on a Louis C.K. video. <laughs> <laughs> Which that's, that's all we have the to show say. Knows. That's great. That's <laughs> yeah. all we have to say. That that's intriguing. Uh huh. Shut up and eat your French fries. <laughs> Excellent. Well, then I'll see you in 167 hours. This has been the Soul of Enterprise: Business and the Knowledge Economy, sponsored by Sage. Supporting small and medium-sized businesses by creating greater freedom for them to succeed. Join us next week, folks, on Friday at 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific. In the meantime, visit us at thesoulofenterprise.com. We'll post full show notes with some of Ed's project management principles up there. And if you want to get a hold of Ed or myself in the meantime, email us at asktsoe at verisage.com. Thanks for listening, folks. And we'll see you next week. Have a great weekend. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. 
For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America.